This is Transistor.fm. This podcast is brought to you by Clubhouse. Are you using them yet to manage your software project? You can get it free for up to 10 people forever. Just sign up at clubhouse.io slash build. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson, and I read the ads. You're an ad guy. I'm the, I'm the ad reader. Uh, yeah, we just kind of fell into that. It's not like that was an executive decision. No. We didn't have that no. on an agenda. We certainly didn't. It's weird to think about how decisions get made, actually. Like, some of our yeah. decisions we make in Slack, some of them just get made by us individually. Yeah. I don't know when we decided about ads. We just fell into a routine of that's, you read the ads. Yeah, that's just kind of what happened. We can change it anytime. I mean, you can take over this whole show if you want. You can call it the John Buddha show. <laughs> that would be I don't know if that'd be too exciting. People would probably dig it. <laughs> um yeah, actually that 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 would be a good topic for the future is how we make decisions. It that's a weird thing to figure out as co-founders is what decisions do we make together? And then how do we make those decisions? Does like do decisions need to be made over a phone call face to face? Do decisions just be are decisions just made in chat or you know other things? And what decisions do we make individually? Right. And in the beginning, I think a lot of, you know, a, we defaulted because we're we're working together for the first time. We defaulted to making a lot of decisions together. Yeah. But eventually we're going to have to, I think, loosen the reins on that. I think we have a little bit. I mean, we certainly, there's certainly, yeah, there's certainly parts of the company that I feel like are our own individual domains, sort of. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we make, we make some decisions sort of unilaterally and don't. I don't think it's ever been a big deal, really, but... Yeah. I mean, I didn't ask you if I could order those 5,000 transistor pi- pinatas, so... I, I didn't even know about that, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, double-check with you about our new corporate condo in the, in the French Alps. Yeah, uh, well, that sounds all right. Yeah, that, that, that was... That's cool with me. I figured you'd be okay with that. I bought a I bought a minivan with the transistor logo on it, <laughs> and I'm going to convert it into a, a camper van. Oh yeah, see that I would. I didn't tell I didn't tell you about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I would support that too. Uh, and actually, folks out there, if you have a co-founder or co-founders, it'd be interesting to know how you make decisions and how that stuff gets split up, because uh, it it can be funny, like you know, what people care about, you know, if you've ever had a significant other, um, you, you run into this all the time. It's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that was a big deal to you. I just went ahead and did it. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you buy the wrong type of cereal and that, that can be a big deal. Right. 
Yeah. I, I don't know if, yeah, I feel like the decisions we've made separately are not necessarily decisions that would impact the trajectory of the company. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm mainly thinking about financial decisions, but now I'm even thinking there's other things like what I decide to say publicly on Twitter. Sure. And uh, I should talk to Jason and David at Basecamp about that because David is such a shit kicker on on Twitter Yeah, that I wonder if that ever bugs Jason. Oh, like he's like rolling his eyes like, oh, what do you do now? Yeah, like, oh boy. Like, do we have to call our lawyers about this, you know? <laughs> Although, I, I don't know. I mean, it certainly gives them some press. Like the whole Apple credit card thing. Yeah, he was on. He was on the national news. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> whether or not I don't, I doubt that was their intention. But yeah, and does that actually have a? Does that have a, a positive effect on the business? Right. They must. Yeah, I, I wonder know. if they have like. Do they have some sort of liability insurance for that? No idea. These are the things we need to know, folks. Again, you can. Well, we can test it out. Twenty twenty. I'll just start. I'll start <laughs> starting fights on Twitter. Yeah, you'll go off the rails. That's your goal. Yep. We are talking about uh, reviewing two thousand nineteen predictions today, and also we made these predictions last year, and then also maybe if we have time, looking ahead to twenty twenty. Maybe if we don't have time this episode, we'll do it next episode. Uh, so maybe we'll get into that, John. You, you can make yeah. your goal just to to raise a ruckus. <laughs> Um, last year, this is crazy. Where were we last year at this time? We recorded this episode. I'll put it in the show notes where we made these predictions, but we started in that episode. I was just listening to it by saying, oh yeah, right now we're at, it was just like offhand, like, oh, right now we're just under 5k in MRR. And I was like, what? Wait a second. I rewound like 5k last year at this time. We were under 5K in MRR. Last, just huh. last year, just 12 months ago. Yeah, that's isn't, pretty wild. It, so we. <laughs> isn't that weird to think? Yeah. Because it, it uh, I don't know. There's just something, there's something really strange about that. So we've, <laughs> we've increased our MRR by about 10 times in the span of a year. Yeah, I I know I've said this on multiple episodes, but I still am kind of blown away by it. Yeah. Like you, I feel like it it almost feels like it can't be right. Yeah, like some some someone's just like, going to show up at our door and go, "Actually, we're, we're missing something, some big amount of money that we owe to someone." Yeah. Or or that the revenue's not really ours. Like someone's going to say, oh, actually, Stripe's going to call us and go, sorry, that was actually for a different company. And we were. Oh, yeah, the the (laughs) wires were crossed. Sorry. Um, That is a pretty epic achievement that, like, to to have in the span of a year all of this stuff happen. um, Yeah, it's just really weird to think about that. The one thing we. I haven't looked at for this episode yet. I don't know if I'll be able to do that while we're recording this, but I don't know where that actual code base was at last year. Like what, mm. what has changed since last year until now? I guess I could look that up yeah. somehow, yep. but it'd be a little difficult, but 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If we can see what, yeah, how, how much code was added and deleted, or it's just like, wh- what did it look like a year ago? I mean, it's not. Is there, it's not unrecognizable? Yeah, but is there a Wayback Machine for like that you can have running internally on your app that just takes screenshots of your app every, you know, <laughs> week or every month, and then no, I don't know. That'd be interesting. That would be a cool Ruby gem to you know ha- just have something like just go through and take screenshots and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had I have a friend who's they, they have a new SaaS and they just hit five k MRR. And they're growing by 25% month over month right now. Hmm. That's kind of what we were doing. Yeah. And I was like, wow. So I was able to say, because they're kind of, they feel kind of like we did a year ago. Like if you listen to that episode, we're like moving along. It's exciting. But we're kind of like, oh, well, we're not full time yet. And, you know, this is just a side thing. And, you know, I think they're feeling a little bit of that. You know, is this going to happen for us? Mm, right. And I said, if you keep growing at 20 to 30% a month, you will be amazed at how fast it grows. And like after 5K, we hit 5K, we hit that in January of this year. Uh, it really accelerated after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's dig into some of these predictions. So the first prediction I we made last year was smart speakers will not be big for podcasters. Do you remember this? There's a lot of news stories like this year was supposed to be yeah. like the year of the smart speaker. It's hard to say. I mean, we don't it certainly isn't big in our analytics. Mhm. Um I on the radio when I listen to the radio and I listen to NPR. Mhm. They will frequently reference it and say you can, you know, ask your smart speaker to play whatever mm-hmm. NPR show they're talking about. I don't know how many people do that. I it doesn't seem like anyone's talking about it. No, right now. no, I and I, I, I'm certainly wary of smart speakers and just the whole listening aspect of them. Oh yeah, that that's an interesting dynamic. Is 2019 was really the year of skepticism, <laughs> cynicism, and um, negative attitudes towards companies that were listening in or yeah. uh, tracking us. Yeah. And that may have had a, I know for, this is just anecdotal, but in our house, my wife is saying, I don't want that. I don't want Amazon. To have a thing in our house listening to us. Right. I mean, you have recently you have, well, in the US, you have the FBI having this report out that's like, hey, if you bought a smart TV, make sure you know how to turn off some of the features because hackers can get in and like mm-hmm. some of them have cameras and microphones and they can start watching you and doing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's the smart speakers. And then there's these articles that are like, you know, don't buy smart speakers or I think the Ring camera is one of them, which is like a, uh, front door camera mm-hmm. that's hooked up. I think it's Amazon, part of Amazon now or Google. Mm-hmm. These headlines are like, don't buy these for people you love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but buy them for your enemies. Yeah, right. Well, it's essentially like surveillance. I mean, it's weird. It's surveillance technology without, you know, I'm just totally w- going the tinfoil hat route. Yeah, but. I'm waiting for the 
the cheap, you know, knockoff that that is going to get sold on Amazon and then it's going to be discovered that, oh, wait a second, the people manufacturing this or the government that manufactured this is listening to everything you say. Right. Like it, it would be pretty yeah. easy to to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if the lack of popularity of those is due to that or, or like conspiracy theories or if it's just that like people aren't sitting at home listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. which probably is more of the yes. reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading this report from uh, June 26th, 2019, and they say that listening to podcasts on smart speakers is so low, like they don't, it's, it doesn't even really show up in most people's stats. Uh, it's not even, it's not even in the top 10, you know, like uh, of devices, like it, there's all these other things that people will listen to first. I can't find an exact percentage in this article, but it is very low, they say. Yeah. So a lot of people own these smart speakers, but podcast listening is still very much a personal thing you do on your, you know, in your ear earbuds. Yeah. So I think that prediction came true. Um, the next one I had was Spotify will grab 35% of market share. Now this one's tricky. Uh, what, what's interesting about this time last year is you and I were both surprised by how many people listened to podcasts on Spotify back then. Yeah. Like we were kind yeah, of incredulous I, about it. Yeah. I was, yeah, I, I was just like, eh, it doesn't seem like, I didn't think people would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's a testament to how much they've improved it. Mm-hmm. I, I still haven't really used Spotify for podcasts, mostly because I don't pay for the premium Spotify, but yeah. Well, I've been surprised that they, they did this year end kind of marketing thing where you could show, like take screenshots of your most listened to podcasts and music. And uh, by the way, folks, any, anyone who's tweeted about Build Your SaaS, that was really cool to see that. Um, but even cl- like that, uh, that on its own, when you can see you're a podcaster and you can see people tweeting or posting on Instagram about, you know, listening on Spotify, it, it was just, I didn't realize they were growing that fast. And for some of our shows, uh, like this one here, what is he doing? Um, yeah, Spotify is a huge portion of his, it's like maybe not as big as Apple Podcasts, but it's a giant chunk of listenership. Do you have any indication of why that is for certain shows? Again, this was only when I investigated a few accounts and I talked to the podcasters, but there are certain demographics that definitely listen more frequently on Spotify. Uh, the demographics seem to skew towards women, um, LGBTQT. Is that right? Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and um, younger folks, for sure. Uh, teenagers, right. college-age folks. And so, you know, our show um, doesn't have as many people listening on Spotify. Our our demographic uh, is a little bit older for one reason and has been listening to podcasts for quite a while. And so a lot of people who have been listening for quite a while already have a podcast player or whatever. Yeah. 
So I think that's one reason. I mean, the what Spotify has really done, it seems, is they've grown the pie. So they had all of these subscribers that were already listening to music, and then they started surfacing podcasts in the same app. And now we just have more folks listening to podcasts. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting from their perspective because I know they're using podcasting as a big way to grow their user base, but mm-hmm. they don't make any money on it. Yeah. So I'm I'm still like waiting for the shoe to drop where they're just going to start inserting ads everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's an interesting one because I know I I read some initial kind of year-end stuff from Spotify and it seems they're not getting as much ad revenue as they thought they would from podcasts. Um, it's increasing the amount of time folks spend listening to Spotify. And, you know, maybe it's it's hitting all the marks that they want it to hit. But you do start to wonder, is this is that big investment they made, it was like $300 million or 400 uh, or 500 Three or 400 million, yeah. I mean, at some point they're going to have to sort of you know, make that investment worth it and, or their investors are going to be upset. Mm -hmm. So what does that, what does that mean? Like, yeah, um, that just remind, I'm, I'm adding a prediction for next year. Um, um, again, maybe we'll get to it this time. Maybe we'll have to wait. So yeah, Spotify, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they grabbed 35% market share. Um, the annual VoxNet, Vox Nest report won't be out until later this month, but 53% of monthly Spotify listeners, 12 to 24 years old, also listened to podcasts in the last month, up from 32% in 2018. So that's a pretty big jump, and especially 12 to 24 years old. You can see they're, they're increasing the number of people who are listening to podcasts. I can't imagine there was a lot of 12 to 24 year olds that were listening to podcasts previously, right? Like this is a, a growing segment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, it, from that perspective, that I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, the other interesting thing, looking back, dynamic content will be big. And so you and I back then were thinking about adding this dynamic content feature in 2019. Yeah. And it is so interesting to listen and back. And we planned it all out. We actually had mm-hmm. stories written for it. We had a plan of action to actually make that happen. Yeah. Ha- have we fully described why we decided not to? I don't think so. Do we know why we didn't? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my perspective is that <laughs> we we wrote it all out, and then we heard about this base camp shaping process. We got a little bit stuck, like... We we had written everything out on our retreat in Portland. Yeah. And I think once we started reading Shape Up, one of the thoughts in my head was, are we sure this is what we want to invest our time in? Right. And why are we doing this? Part of the thing that was driving it was we had lost a few customers to Megaphone part of it that was driving it was I just thought it was a really cool feature. Like it just seemed something really neat that a lot of other folks hadn't thought about. But when I 
kind of thought about the cost of doing that feature because it's it was it's a massive like even even the initial version yeah yeah I think there's still bits of it that might we might be able to pull out and use mm-hmm. but yeah it was a it was a pretty hefty feature yeah I'm I'm glad we didn't build it because it would have well it would have taken a while but I I feel like the support that would have been generated for that feature probably would have been pretty big mm-hmm. just in terms of how it how it would have worked and and all the intricacies of you know stitching audio together and stuff like that and yeah totally it it's also interesting this is one of the great things about having a podcast where we talk every week is we've got this time capsule of how we thought back then and then we can see how time has elapsed and really like all that pressure that you know we we had created back then of we have to build this you know nobody else has done it this way and this is our way in and and then just to think i mean we certainly get people reaching out asking for dynamic ad insertion but it's surprising how many people really didn't care that we didn't build it yeah it was yeah really it wasn't there wasn't that many people asking for it we had some big accounts that signed up and said, you know, they were really hoping we would build it in the future. I can't think of the organization's name right now, but it'd be interesting to know if they're still a customer because they had asked for it. And sometimes people leave and you don't know why, but I'm just continually surprised by, you know, sometimes a rush of requests will come in from customers and will feel this pressure of, oh no, we have to add this. And then when you test it out over time, the number of people who continually come out of the woodwork to say, hey, what, what about that feature you said you were going to build? Or what about this? Or, you know, I really need yeah. this. It's actually surprisingly low. And it, it kind of, it, it, it shows you that talk, it really is cheap in a sense. Like, it's easy for someone to request something, but for them to actually be in a place to act on it, the, the percentage of people who can act on that is much, much lower. As opposed to something like private podcasting, we had all of this evidence that people wanted it, people were using it, and they just needed more functionality. And so when we offered that, that became, you know, that, that made sense, right? Right. And even with that feature, you know, it's going to be a slow build. Like there's rarely a feature you're going to in- introduce that's all of a sudden going to like resonate so big that it's it's going to mean everything, right? Like right. it just that doesn't happen. Yeah. Wow, we've already talked a little while. I got to I got to I got to just interrupt and talk about Postmark. You know, lots of people are making year-end decisions. I hear a lot of folks switching from one provider to another. And uh, particularly in these Slack groups I'm in, I'm not sure, maybe it's because of the year end. People are sending a lot of email in uh, December, you know, account renewal emails, um, all that stuff. Lots of folks switching off their email provider, especially for transactional email. And they want something more reliable, something that won't be flagged as spam, 
Well, if that is you right now and you've got some budget, you've got to head over to postmarkapp.com slash loves slash build your SaaS um, because they do transactional email better than anybody else. Um, what's more, they they build tools for developers, but they their stuff looks great. Like their developer dashboard is really well done. You can log in and you can see, you know, did this request go through? Where did where was this error? Um, was this successful? What stage is this at? It's all right there in Postmark. If you use the coupon code BUILDYOURSAS, all one word, you'll get a free month of sending. So go to postmarkapp.com slash loves slash buildyoursass. Yeah, anything else about dynamic content? Uh, only that I, I, I feel like I still don't run across it very often. Mm. Maybe it's the shows I listen to, but I, they're all, all the ads I come across are host read. Mm-hmm. They're not, I, I don't feel like they're dynamic. Maybe it's just seamless. I don't know, but they're not, it doesn't seem like I'm getting random ads for, I don't know, like things near me or. There's actually another thing I've noticed because I do notice them. Uh, and maybe this will play into our predictions episode, which I think we'll have to do next time because I can see we're already we're going to hmm. go along on this one. But next week on the predictions episode, uh, I've noticed a lot of Gimlet shows will often say we'll be right back and then they'll come right back, meaning <laughs> there is no ad. And I, I think this is a there's something here that is worth thinking about and investigating, my sense is that the sell-throughs, the sell-through on those dynamic ads is not as good as people were hoping. I think dynamic ads actually introduces a a problem, which is it makes, it, it, it increases the quantity of ad slots available that you can then programmatically uh, mm-hmm. sponsor. And there's way more supply right now than there is demand. Right. And so we'll have to see how this plays out, but I'm increasingly, I'm hearing shows as I listen that have no dynamic ad where there should be one. Um, Also, Hmm. uh, folks like Anchor that introduced their own marketplace, like, hey, you can get your own ads on your Anchor show. The rumblings I hear on Reddit and people who are using it is that initially Anchor was sponsoring a lot of those spots. And since then, it's been very quiet. So, hmm. um, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of think about that and watch that uh, because maybe there is, <laughs> maybe there's something going on there that. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I wonder what I wonder what that means for that particular subset or that part of the industry or the industry as as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've been arguing that part for a while. We've said, look at what happened to uh, web advertising, right? Like it used to be just banner ads on Daring Fireball. And if you wanted to reach Daring Fireball's audience, that was how you'd sponsor. And as soon as it went to tracking and programmatic ads, the bottom fell out of the market, right? It just, it was a race to the bottom. It was uh, dirt cheap kind of ads compared to the CPMs folks were getting before. And there's just so much more supply. Right. And it killed the the kind of ad revenue for a lot of publications. 
And so I think the ruckus that a lot of folks like Seth Godin and us and Basecamp and, uh, you know, other people are raising, Marco Arment, about advertising and programmatic advertising in podcasts is um, legitimate. It's This is something that I think we should be making noise about because I think it will affect podcasters negatively. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably like what happened with online advertising where it just ends up that you ignore all the ads. So yeah, I mean, yeah, because they're so bad, you mean, because they're they're so bad and they're just like not really relevant to you. And you just, I don't, if that happens with podcasting where it's just an ad that you, I mean, it's pretty easy to skip ads anyway. Yeah. I mean, and the argument of course is that uh, with more tracking and more programmatic advertising, they'll know you better. But in practice, <laughs> that doesn't seem to actually happen, right? Right. Like if you if you want to reach folks who are building SaaS applications, b- sponsor this show, right? Like that's right. that's the way to do it. And um, we've heard from a lot of our advertisers that say this is one of the best paid channels they have. So, and w- they've basically outsourced all of that targeting work to us, right? We built mm-hmm. the audience and then we're allowing them to communicate with that audience. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I, I can just feel, this is one of those episodes we're going to get people emailing us about, which, <laughs> which I love. Go, folks, definitely get in touch with us. Yeah. Um, more podcast live streaming. So I definitely saw more interest uh, in this, uh, not in the sense, not in the way you would think. Uh, a lot of people, you know, some people might think, oh, maybe there'll be more audio live streaming. Uh, yeah. I don't think that is as as compelling as people think. Uh, but there are a lot of folks, uh, especially YouTubers, who are already on YouTube and had built a big audience there that were live streaming the recording of their show, kind of like what we're doing right now. Yeah, I remember you, yeah, you were big on that, I think, at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right, we did it a couple of times. Yeah, and I, I think it's that's still going to be big. Folks mm-hmm. live streaming, but people want to see, if, if you're going to tune in live, there's no sense in listening to just live audio. You want to see people. You want to behind-the-scenes look at, you know, how yeah. does this show get made? You want to see what they look like, how they respond. You want to get all of the the bits that get edited out later. Mm-hmm. And I so I think video live streaming for podcasts is going to be continued to be big. And uh, I don't think we're going to see a big surge in audio live streaming. It, it just it it doesn't feel as compelling. But people will, you know, record shows on YouTube and other places on Twitch, and then they'll um, edit up the audio and then publish it on a platform like Transistor later um, once it's been cleaned up and and edited into a nice yeah. show. Yeah, I, I personally haven't watched any live streams of podcasts. I have watched videos of podcasts that, that were produced, I guess. Some, mm-hmm. some of the shows I listen to actually have video components but um yeah yeah i don't know 
It'd be interesting. And actually, I think we're going to see, because for a lot of kids, like my kids, my especially my teenagers uh, who are, you know, 17 and 14, uh, a podcast for them, at least before they knew what I was doing with Transistor, was uh, folks with microphones on YouTube. Like that was a podcast. Okay. And hmm. uh, it's been nice, actually, that Spotify has been introducing kids, younger people, to audio-only podcasts. And so I think we're going to see more. I think we're going to see more of that. Like YouTube will still be a force in podcasting just because there's this trend of, hey, we're doing a podcast, but it's we've got video cameras and we're switching the video cameras live and everyone has a microphone. It's kind of like doing a, a talk show or a panel show. Uh, but what's encouraging to me is that a lot of those folks are then distributing their audio via RSS feed. So yeah, YouTube owns the live part, but then we have this beautiful RSS technology that's open (laughs) and free and not connected to the giant behemoth. So yeah, let's, we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, yeah, kind of closing up the predictions. uh, This was interesting. I, I had a bunch of predictions about Apple yeah. So I predicted that iTunes would be deprecated, that Apple will make its own podcasts. I don't know if that happened. I don't think they have. No, I think I was wrong about that. I was really thinking with this, like with Spotify doing so many branded shows, I thought for sure Apple would jump in, but they haven't. <laughs> it's it's surprising because of how much money they've thrown at Apple TV Plus or whatever. Yeah. That they haven't even put any money into making their own podcast. And I think as we've experienced recently, they probably haven't put that much money into their podcast platform. No. At all, because it's kind of been shitting the bed a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And (laughs) I think, so on one hand, if anyone from Apple is listening, I love Apple in one sense, because Apple has invented the medium in some ways, or at least um, made the medium a thing. They have been very generous with their podcast directory um, and making that open. They uh, have also been very generous in making this a not-for-profit venture. Like this is just a thing that they do seemingly because they understand the spirit of podcasting. Like all of their official marketing material is, you know, we don't, we don't own your content it's we're going to still use RSS. We're not going to rehost the audio. Um, this year also saw that like the podcast analytics. Uh, did they come out of beta this year? Maybe they're still in beta. I, I think it was this year. Yeah, and they did introduce some some nice things for podcasters. Yeah, but on the other side, Apple, there are ways you could be killing it right now. One, give us a submission. API. Right now, Spotify has a way for us to submit podcasts through an API. They show up right away. It is beautiful. Podcasters, new podcasters especially, continually tell us that the moment of magic happens when they create their first episode and then they submit it to Spotify and they see it in the Spotify app right away. And all of those good, warm feelings are all being applied to Spotify when they could be applied to Apple. 
Like they're missing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how many times we've had customer support messages that were, hey, my episode is on Spotify, but it's not on iTunes yet. What's up? Mm-hmm. Like in the past month, I don't know, like just yes, and of many, many dozens. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, how? what percentage of support requests do you think are us really doing <laughs> uh, support for Apple? I don't know, God, 30, 40%. I mean, honestly, it's probably pretty high. It's just, and uh, I mean... <sighs> It, in the industry, it's kind of, it's it's easy to kind of um, disparage Apple, one, because yeah. they are the number one platform. And so once you're number one, everyone's kind of attacking you. But there just seems to be some low-hanging fruit that yeah. they could, they could, it, it would, it would take some investment. Like, honestly, hire John and I, we will do it. Uh, it'll cost you way less than it would to hire uh, San Francisco <laughs> folks. We'll build you a submission API. We'll like, we'll get it done and um, we'll do it for the, our competitors and the industry. We'll do it for everybody as a whole. Like we just want to see some of this stuff happen. Yeah. I'm, I just, I don't know if they, do they, do you think they, obviously they're not putting a ton of resources into it, but mm-hmm. do, you, do you feel like they're, they feel like they're obligated to, to have it around, but they're not really, well, putting too much effort. I mean, I know they don't make money on it. I, I think it's a I think it's a missed opportunity because they basically have the number one platform for podcasts right now. Yeah, and they're gonna yeah that's gonna start dropping. I think pretty quick. What they what they need to realize is that so now, for example, with Gimlet being acquired. Now, at the end of every Gimlet show, they don't say subscribe on Apple Podcasts. They say subscribe mm-hmm. on Spotify. Right. But you also have to realize all of these new podcasters who, like the only place they can get their show in, submitted quickly is th- on Spotify. And by the way, Spotify's account process is also easier. Like there's tons of PC users and Windows users that don't really have an active Apple account, Apple ID. And for them, right. so they sign up for an ID, but then there's all sorts of errors and stuff because they haven't like validated it in the on an iPhone. So until mm. you validate it on an iPhone, it doesn't work. Now that I say it out loud, it's just frustrating, and it's a missed opportunity because those folks, a lot of those folks, are just saying, "Well, screw Apple. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna submit to Spotify, and that's it." Right. And all of those kind of warm feelings of, oh, this is so exciting. I've just released my first show. And guess what, folks? It's on Spotify. Those could be applied to Apple Podcasts. Yeah, could be. And here's the other request, Apple, is, so there's pub, sub, hub, bub, blah, blah, whatever that is. Yep. We want, I don't know what you would call this, but a way to trigger an event through an API when a new episode is published. So Apple... You right now you're pinging our RSS feeds all day long, just waiting, like hoping. But even at, even then, they don't get updated right away. So that that's the that's the strange thing is that I I think what Apple does is they sort of determine behind the scenes what they think your schedule is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to guess, and then I think they probably guess, and then probably check your feed more that day or something, mm-hmm. but. Something is going wrong where episodes are showing up like a day later. and The technology is there. Like Google Podcasts is brand new and they've just released WebSub. Yeah. And right. it's working. Uh, I think you, you put it in 
like it didn't take you very long to implement it. No, it was, it's very, it's, it's a really simple protocol. So that's, that's not hard. So yeah, I, I think Apple could build something on top of what they have. They don't have to change everything. Just build, build a way for us to say, Hey, this is, it has a new episode. This has a new episode and use that same protocol for submission. Yeah. Like just make it easy. We'll, and we, all we do is we put a little bit of metadata in the RSS feed and it's just automatic and it just happens. And then when somebody new signs up for Transistor and they go through that step of create episode, upload episode, publish episode, instead of it just saying, now your episode's on Spotify, it will also say your episode is also on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that all these other podcast listening apps that are just using Apple's directory would then get updated more frequently, right? Right. So it would it would solve this one of the biggest problems right now in podcasting if we really care about the medium is people being able having to manually submit to Apple Podcasts is just I I really hope this is my prediction for 2020 not because I think it's going to happen because I just want it to happen so badly. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So what what are the other predictions came true? So they they did Deprecate iTunes in the new OS and yeah, and um, they. IOS. I predicted that they would have three new apps in 2019: TV and movie streaming. That happened. News and magazines. That happened. Yep. And these were all like things I'd read in in blogs that said this is probably going to happen. And then Apple Music had already re- been released last year. Yeah, and then podcast split off into its own app. Yeah, on the desktop. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was encouraging too. Maybe I know they're a big company and it takes time to move things, but yeah, yeah. So that's that's our episode. Tune in next week. We'll maybe we'll try to we'll try to do a predictions episode. Uh, yeah. I like the hope, I like this and, one though. Hopes and dreams and predictions. <laughs> hopes and dreams. That oh yeah, we got to write that down. I got to write. I got to write that in uh, our show notes for next week. <laughs> just hopes and dreams. That that's the worst kind of business. Uh, you know, when you're just hoping and dreaming. That something yeah. will happen. Uh, thanks to everybody who uh, supports us on Patreon. John, do you? Oh, yeah. You see, I read the ads. You read the. Yeah. That's how. Yeah. We, that's how it worked out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. To, thanks to everyone uh, on Patreon who supports us. Uh, we have Ward from uh, MemberSpace.com, who just they just started a new podcast on uh, cool. on on uh, Transistor. So nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley from NiceThings.io, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Brady Yumna Schembecker, Noah Prail, David Colgan, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray from Elitu.com, Josh Smith, Ivan Kirkovic, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, uh, Dan Buda, my brother. DanBuda.com. Uh, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. Now, for <laughs> sure, you know, we do, okay, we, we do have to get Dave on at least one episode. Yeah, we should. Absolutely. Maybe next time I fly into Chicago, I, I, we, should, we should have a real sit down. Yeah, he would have some good feedback about lots of things. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com and our sponsors this week, uh, Clubhouse and Postmark. Thanks, everybody. We really appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week. 
Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.